This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 329 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by Equestrian Collections. For the whole world of holiday shopping, you can find at equestriancollections.com. Hi, everybody. Glenn the Geek back with you from Lexington, Kentucky. And today we have with us Carol Gordon back. She is a CPA and owner of Blue Ribbon Accounting. She comes on and does our accounting and our tax tips for horse businesses. Her expertise is in equine accounting and tax issues, and she provides savvy equestrian professionals with affordable peace of mind. She has experience working with a variety of horse-related businesses nationwide, including trainers, camps, barn owners, and equine transporters. She does a terrific job for us here on Horse Tip Daily. Now, she's not always the bearer of of news we want to hear, but it's stuff we have to hear when we have a horse business. And only almost everybody in the horse world has a horse business of some kind. You either run a training stables or barn or whatever. So you do a lesson program. You're all involved in some way or another with a horse business. So that's why we have her on doing tips on Horse Tip Daily. Speaking of horse businesses, there's no better place to go for your holiday shopping needs than equestriancollections.com. I don't care what you need, whether it's for your horse or whether it's for your husband or your wife or your kids. You can find all that you're going to want to buy for the holidays at a price you can afford at equestriancollections.com. Stop on over. Visit them today for that holiday shopping. And it's not too early Time's going to be flying by here before you know it. It's going to be Christmas, and you won't have bought those gifts, and you're going to say, I wish I had listened to Glenn, and I had done that two months ago when he said to. So I am recommending it now. Stop on over to equestriancollections.com for that holiday gift buying. And now, Carol Gordon, who is a CPA and owner of Blue Ribbon Account. Hi, Carol, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Hi, Glenn. It's glad, I'm glad to be here again. Well, it's so good to have you back, and this little show just keeps on growing. It's like the Energizer Bunny. We keep getting more <laughs> listeners and more, more in more countries every day. So, you know, thank you to the listeners for listening in. And, and you know, these tips, these tips are really meant for people in the United States. However, I'm sure they apply generally to taxes in other countries, too. So... I'm sure there's something comparable to that, and, and at least, if nothing else, it gets them listening and thinking about maybe they should find out something more about how that might apply in the country that they live in. And, of course, we're coming up to the time when it's the end of the year and businesses need to start thinking about the books at the end of the year and reconciling things and getting ready for tax time. So we thought that this would be a good time to have you back to record some more tips. Sounds good. What do you got today? Well, um, what we're going to talk about today is the difference between an independent contractor and an employee. And this comes up a lot in conversations that I have when I meet with owners of horse businesses for the first time because the temptation is is to classify a worker as an independent contractor rather than employee because you don't have to withhold income taxes, you don't have to withhold and pay Social Security taxes or Medicare taxes or unemployment taxes that you would have to do on wages paid to employee. And you don't have to just jump through the hoops either. You know, you don't have to get a payroll service. If all of you, all of the um, people that you have working for you, you classify as independent contractors, you don't have to pay the payroll service either. So, you know, and and what I'm running up against is some barn uh, owners feel 
that they can't afford to classify a worker as an independent, as an employee, because they have to compete with the other binds in their areas. And they're telling, you know, so-and-so's bind down the street pays everybody as an independent contractor. If I start paying someone as an employee, you know, my profits are, I'll end up losing more money. I can't afford to do it. Um, so it's very tempting, but, you know, as we'll talk about um, another time, the risks for doing it and the penalties for misclassifying someone can be pretty substantial. So, okay. um, so we need to talk about how the IRS determines the difference between an independent contractor and an employee. Now, you think a contract, okay, an independent contractor, as long as you have a contract, that would do it. But that has nothing to do with the way that the IRS looks at it. They look at basically three different areas of control. So how much control does the person who's doing the hiring have over the employee? The first area is behavioral control. And basically that means does the company control or have the right to control what the worker does and how they do their job? And we're going to use practical examples on this in a minute. Second one is financial control. Are the business aspects of the worker's job controlled by the person who's paying them. And the last one is the type of relationship. So is there a written contract? Does the person who's doing the hiring pay the health insurance, pension plans, anything like that? Um, is the relationship between the two pretty much like one-on-one, -on -one, the person who's working there, that's the only job that they have? So we're going to use an everyday example to demonstrate this. And I've chosen an example that's outside of the horse world because sometimes in the horse world people say, well, what if, what if, and so I'm just going to give you one that's real clear and then you can, you know, the listeners can think it through and think how it applies to their situation. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. Glenn, you have decided that you're going to have a washer and dryer installed in the barn, in the tack room, so that people can now wash their pads and their polos and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to call the plumber. So what do you do? I call the plumber and say, come on over and install my washer and dryer. Right. And he does, And do you say to him, what, what's the exchange as far as when he's coming? Oh, sure. Yep, yep. We just say, you know, when are you coming over? He says Tuesday at 2, and I say, okay. That's right. So it's really within the person who's the worker's control. He decides when he's coming. He decides how much time he's going to spend there. You're not saying to him, look, I need you to be here, you know, Wednesday at 3. You're going to spend three hours. You're going to use this kind of pipe, blah, blah, blah. So the first element is like that behavioral control. Who has the control over when the worker does the job? Now, the, this is a two-man job. So he arrives, and he's got help, and he comes in with his own tools, okay? Two other elements of behavioral control. He is bringing his own tools with him, as opposed to many um, people who work in barns, like cleaning stalls or whatever. They don't show up with their own pitchforks and their own manure buckets. That's provided by the person who's doing the hiring. And the plumber has other people working for him, where maybe someone working in the barn, they're usually hired on their own. They don't have like a crew of people that come with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's working away, this plumber, <clears throat> and you wander in. And you watch him. Anything happen? What's Are that? Commenting? Are you commenting on what he's, kind of job he's doing? 
you complaining that the floor isn't clean enough? Are you complaining that maybe he's taking too much time? Probably all that of those. <laughs> <laughs> that usually doesn't happen unless you've hired the wrong yeah, plumber. Yeah, unless you hired the wrong plumber. No, <laughs> um, usually in, in an happen. independent contractor relationship. Yeah. There's not usually any oversight. There's not usually any supervision, and there's not usually any training. He doesn't show up, and you don't tell him how to put the, the right. sink no, in. No, I'm Hopefully not, I'm not supervising the pipe installation. Right. And then usually, I mean, it, this isn't a, definitely a criteria for the difference between an independent contractor and employee, but it's more often independent contractors are paid by the job. They don't always get paid by the hour. There's certainly some who do, but um, they, do, uh, they do get paid by the job, and they have other customers. So this plumber isn't going to go back home and sit there and wait for Glenn to call for the next time. That's not going to be the only bit of income that he's he has coming He's going to starve in. to death if he does. <laughs> right. <laughs> so those are the types of things that the IRS looks at, is the behavioral control. You know, how do they do their job? Is there any supervision? Um, is there any training? The financial control, who gets paid, what re um, expenses get reimbursed, you know, who provides the supplies, and then the last thing is, like, the type of relationship. Is it a one-on-one? -on -one? Um, does, does the person have other customers? Do you, does the person doing the hiring pay for benefits? Because if they're paying for benefits, then they're definitely an employee. So those are the things that every job that you're offering at your barn, you need to go through and think about those things. And if you honestly can't decide whether you think the person's an independent contractor or an employee, then what you can do is you can fill out a form called the W-8 form. But you send it to the IRS, and it lists the job description on there, and they will make the determination. So, And I, as I, my guess is 99% of the time, are they saying uh, employee? They're, most of the time they are saying yeah. that. There's some kind of fuzzy areas in, um, like, the acting profession um, where – they are more likely to classify someone as an independent contractor. But let me just say that most of the jobs that are going to be happening in a barn, um, as far as barn health, should be classified as an employee. Now, you might run into situations where you have an instructor coming in and teaching there. Maybe she's teaching um, in your barn part of the day and somebody else's barn part of the day. Well, then you need to look a little bit deeper. Are you making the appointments for the lessons, or is she making the appointments for the lessons? Who's collecting the checks, and who are the checks made out to? Is the situation more like she's really just leasing that space, or is it that she's coming in and just working for you in a lesson program that you have set up? So sometimes it can be really tricky. Um, and, it, and it is really tempting to misclassify employees, but as we'll talk about in another tip, the, the consequences can be really, really costly. Um, basically, the short version of it is for every 1099 form that you don't submit at all, um, if you do it by mistake, it's only $50 a form. If you unintentionally don't submit it, then it's $100 a form. If so those are for the people that you should be classifying as independent contractors, but you don't report at all. Okay. So the people in this case that we're talking about, that they should be classified as employees, and you either don't report them at all or you report them as independent contractors, you're responsible for um, 
the withholdings that they would have had withheld from their pay, you're responsible for the employer portion of the Social Security, the Medicare, the um, federal unemployment, the interest and penalties on all those things, and then anything else that your state might sock you with as well. So it gets really costly if you are discovered to have been found misclassifying an employee. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something you'd want to volunteer for. Not, no. And if people do it with one, they tend to do it with more than one. So, I mean, it just gets to be, the costs just, you know, multiply logarithmically. It's just amazing when people think it's not that big a deal and you figure out how much it could potentially cost them. That's when people tend to say, well, maybe I need to reconsider my, my thoughts about this. So. That's my tip for today. Just All right. go through and think about it. Well, you got a lot of people thinking out there, I'm sure, because anybody that's ever owned a barn has had that situation. Um, yeah, I'm sure, like I said, it comes up a lot. And, you know, that's part of the reason why, you know, that's part of the reasons why we always did trades, you know, for lessons and things like that and didn't have money exchanging hands because it was easier and you didn't have to deal with these issues. Um, and that's the reason I think a lot of barn owners do that, uh, you know. So interesting. Well, it's tough, and it's you know, like I said, it all hooks into the whole idea of you know your business altogether and the things that you might you know, the things that you might get audited about. That's that's one really big audit red flag. That you know, it's not, it doesn't just become about the 1099 form anymore. It becomes added in just looking at your business and auditing your business altogether. Right. All right, Carol. Thank you. Did I hear you were speaking somewhere soon? You're going to be a celebrity, a superstar. Uh, you heard I was speaking somewhere, yes, and actually, <laughs> that's one of my topics is the audit red flags. That's a, a really popular topic, and if you have any kind of business, it's a great thing to come and listen to me speak about that. I'm speaking at Equine Affair, the Massachusetts Equine Affair, which starts uh, Thursday, November 11th, and that's the day I'm speaking. I'm speaking at 11 on Hobby Loss Rules and the IRS and at 5 about audit red flags. I'm at the Better Living Center, I believe, at the stage. And then the rest but. of the time you're shopping and spending all your money. Oh, yes. My money is out in the backyard at this very moment, stinging its head through the fence. That's where my money is. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> Probably it's just all about. about. To break I a board. Mean, equine affair, that's what you go for. Uh, that's so, what people go for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you, you have fun at Equine Affair. Thank you for joining us again, and we'll have you back again soon. Well, thank you to Carol for all those glad tidings she brought us today. That may, makes me think, and it obviously gets you thinking too, I'm sure, because we've all, we've all had situations like that in the past. Well, that's about it. That wraps up today. Don't forget, Horses in the Morning, every morning, 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. We're giving away lots of great prizes over the next uh, three or four weeks for the holidays. So be sure to tune in. We would love to hear from you. It's been going well, and I think we've had some great guests. And, and you can listen to the recorded versions at HorsesInTheMorning.com as well. You can drop me an email at Glenn with two ends at horseradionetwork.com if you're enjoying the show or if you have any tips that you would like to hear about or any experts you would like to hear on the show. You can find all the other great shows on the network at horseradionetwork.com. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 